Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, really interesting new data coming out shows that Republicans turned out in the 2022 midterms in big numbers. And yet, Democrats kept control of the Senate and the GOP barely took the House. So that's really intriguing to me. Those numbers are fascinating. So did Republicans just not vote for their own party? What do the numbers tell us? What's beyond the headlines there? We learned to one of our favorite uh, inside sources, Sarah Isker, ABC News contributor. She's staff writer for The Dispatch. She's also the host of the legal podcast, Advisory Opinions for The Dispatch. Uh, and if you haven't checked out The Dispatch, uh, that is a great place for you to start your day as you're looking for some news that really makes the world make sense. Uh, Sarah, thanks for joining us. Hello. Thanks for having me. Uh, so so give us some of the uh, behind the numbers here. So uh, Republicans turned out in big numbers, and yet the results say, wait a minute, something different happened. Exactly. I mean, it, it's fascinating. Let me tell you three sort of almost contradictory things. Uh, if you add up sort of all the votes for Republican candidates and all the votes for Democratic candidates in the country, Republicans won the national popular vote, if you will, by three points. And yet the House is a razor thin margin. They don't pick up the Senate. Um, Second item of interest, Republicans, self-identified Republicans outnumbered self-identified Democrats in every competitive Senate race in terms of who voted. Um, And the last thing worth noting is that Democrats out early voted Republicans. Mm. Um, and which we already had you know, sort of known about. And so the big takeaways from that are that Republicans had many paths to winning this election. And I mean, you know, taking back the House with a wider margin, winning the Senate back. And basically, they didn't take any of them. Uh, you can forego early voting if you have enormously high Republican turnout or very good candidates. But they didn't have any of that. Or you can have early voting. Um, you know, what we saw in Florida was the one state where Republicans out early voted Democrats. And it was the one state where Republicans outperformed their polling expectations, Ron DeSantis winning by 19 points. But certainly, bottom line, Republicans had enough Republican voters vote in the 2022 election to win all of these Senate races. Wow. Those Republican voters just didn't vote Republican. Wow. Uh, So many things to dig into there. (laughs) So... uh... And I want to start with, is this just the Republicans snatching defeat from the jaws of victory once again? Was this just a candidate quality issue? But you look at those numbers. I mean, the fact that they they were three percentage points ahead on just that national raw vote in terms of who cast ballots. uh, What is that really telling us in terms of where the Republican Party is? I think that that three percent national popular vote actually tells us a lot about how few competitive districts there are left, mm. because in reality, you know, winning a race by 80 points is a lot of wasted votes. You right. really want to win every race by 51 percent, <laughs> if you will. Um, and, and we certainly saw that for Democrats in many races in 2020, for instance, as well. So nothing new about that. But it generally tells you that the polling was about right. You know, you looked at the 
polling trends, we talked about them plenty in the run-up to the election, that the generic ballot showed Republicans leading heading into Election Day. It turns out that polling was right. Uh, Just unfortunately, it wasn't in the specific places that they needed it in those highly competitive races. Instead, they were running up uh, the score in districts they were already going to win. So so now digging to that second point that you made in terms of uh, Republican votes cast outnumbered the number of Democrat votes in in many of those crucial races. Yeah, so um, uh, basically the final turnout shows that registered Republicans voted at a much higher rate than registered Democrats. In fact, the Democratic base turnout was slightly depressed compared to 2020, definitely 2018. And so what you'd expect if, you know, someone had just told me that ahead of time, like here's this one data point you're going to know about the election, registered Republicans massively outnumber registered Democrats voting, I would have told you Republicans were going to take back the Senate. The problem is, look at Georgia, Um, Brian Kemp, wins his race by eight points or so, and yet Raphael Warnock, the Democrat, wins that Senate race. Uh, About 200,000 people voted for the Republican for governor and then didn't vote for the Republican for senator. They either voted for the Democrat or they didn't vote at all in the Senate race. That's a candidate quality issue, and that's really just at the feet of Republicans. They had other options in these primaries, especially you look at Pennsylvania or Arizona, New Hampshire, really just all of them, frankly. <laughs> um, and and they didn't do it. And so you see quite a bit of that split ticket voting. Right. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. So I wanted to get to one other question with you, Sarah, and... I think in addition to the candidate quality piece, what about the, the kind of, I think, a, an underlying thing that were I think there were some misses, that there were some of these races where candidate quality, big issue, but then you also had a lot of these places where the focus was kind of backward facing. It was on a national, making it national and making it about the former president, Donald Trump. And we saw with Brian Kemp in Georgia, we saw with Ron DeSantis in Florida, we even saw the year before with uh, Governor Yunkin in Virginia, uh, that they all made the races not about the former president, not about 2020 uh, or before, but they made it very local, very personal and very forward moving. Uh, is that the one of the sub lessons, I guess, for, for Republicans in terms of what kind of battles they're waging moving into 2024? It's really fascinating when you see which Republicans won this election cycle. And it was just as you're saying, it was governors. They were incumbents. 
they were incredibly popular in their state and they ran hyper local elections, just like you said. I mean, in some ways, the Yunkin race is almost more helpful to us because he wasn't an incumbent. You don't get that sort of built in advantage already. But I mean, my goodness, in the wake of the Biden election, oftentimes those off cycle races that are just, you know, less than a year later do try to build on national trends like that. Instead, I mean, Youngkin was running basically against the Loudoun County School Board, like a specific (laughs) school board (laughs) in the state of Virginia, uh, which, you know, I think people overcredit that with his victory. But it was clearly an important part of how people saw Youngkin and the race. Um, But, you know, Mike DeWine in Ohio, Brian Kemp in Georgia, Chris Sununu in New Hampshire. Mm. These are governors who won by wide margins in their states. Um, And, you know, it's fascinating because in a lot of ways, they're also very old school Republicans and old school. I mean, I don't know if you want to call them Reagan era or even W era Republicans. Careful. careful. (laughs) I know. I'm calling myself old. Whatever. (laughs) Three stools of the Republican Party Republicans. How about that? Yeah, there we go. I like that. Sounds more noble. Um, And so, you know, will that actually be a roadmap for Republicans moving forward in terms of what candidates they're going to pick? It doesn't seem like it, which can feel like you're living in crazy town. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Real quickly before I let you go, Sarah, uh, what's the lesson for Democrats coming out of all of this? What uh, what are they taking from the 2022 cycle and what are they looking to parlay into 2024? Can I tell you the lesson that I'm I know that at least in part that. Each side will take, and it concerns me the most. Uh, Chuck Schumer Super PAC spent about $53 million helping pick which Republicans they wanted to run against in some of these races. Of the six candidates that made it through their Republican primary that Chuck Schumer had spent money on, oftentimes spent more money on than the candidate themselves had, um, all six of those Republicans lost. And what I fear is that as much as everyone poo-pooed that strategy, said how dangerous it was, how it undermined the Democrats' message on the one hand that democracy was on the ballot, and on the other hand, they were literally making sure that people who denied the results of the 2020 election were going to be on the ballot and had a chance of winning, that because the strategy worked, if they were weaker candidates against Democrats in the general election, you're going to see that strategy increase where both sides will try to pick their craziest opponent and so voters are going to be left with sort of the lesser of two, not evils, like total lunatics. Um, we've seen it work now multiple cycles. Claire McCaskill, of course, spending a lot of money to help Todd Yunkin, the Republican mm-hmm. uh, who, you know, legitimate rape comment who lost to Claire McCaskill. That secured her another six years in the Senate. Right. Um, so the, the payoff can be really high. Chuck Schumer, you know, arguably takes the Senate because of some of that spending. Yeah, and and to me that is, uh, I'm going to have you come back on another day to deep dive on that because I think there's a, a big difference between winning an election or gaining power and being able to lead. And uh, I worry, just as you do, Sarah, that uh, if this continues to increase, uh, I think we're in for a world of hurt. And uh, if we think we have chaos now and a lot of uh, performative jackassery, as we like to call it on this program, <laughs> uh, we're doomed. Oh, to, I didn't know we were allowed to say jackassery. Now I'm all in. <laughs> it's a new term. We've coined it here. <laughs> we stole it from Senator oh, Sass, I mean, but he, he, he initially yeah. sanctioned it. 
if I could have, you know, a vocab list, that would be helpful. Okay. Time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send that to you. Sarah Isger, ABC News uh, contributor. She's a staff writer for The Dispatch, and she's also the host of the legal podcast, Advisory Opinions for The Dispatch. Great place to, to get your news. It's where I start every day. Uh, Sarah, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate the perspective, as always. Thank you. All right, we'll step aside for a quick bottom of the hour commercial break. Much more to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.